All right. How are we feeling tonight? All right. Awesome. Well, good evening. Welcome to Genesis. Hope you guys have had a great night so far. All right. So who came on the mystery road trip this weekend? All right. Yes, we had some amazing times. So I was thinking about whether or not we should like say where we went. Um, Because if you want to know, you got to go, right? Uh, So we had a great time. Uh, We we had three cars, okay, so three drivers, and all three of us got parking tickets, uh, so that's kind of funny. Um, and my man Bryce right here got pulled over on the way home, so he, didn't, he only got a warning. He only got a warning, so could have been a lot worse. So um, anyway, no, it was great. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, if you didn't come, you missed out. Hopefully you can make it to the next one. So also, another thing, so next month... We are starting a new series, and we are doing something a little similar to what we did over the summer. So is anybody here over the summer for the Ends of the Earth series? Does anybody remember that one? Okay, so there's like a few people. Yeah, so we did a fundraiser for Water Mission. If you guys, anybody here that was the summer, Genesis rotates so fast that like this is probably like a brand new crowd, even from a year ago. So there's a handful of you. So in that series, we did a fundraiser for Water Mission, and we were trying to fund a water purification system for uh, Nankandulo, Uganda. And for those of you who are here, you know that we raised about $2,500 or so. I just wanted to announce that we found out a couple weeks ago that that project has been completely funded and they're moving it to the next day. So let's just get a round of applause for that. That is amazing. Um, So with that said, we're moving into a new series next month, and I kind of just wanted to throw this out here just so you guys know that it's coming. So we're going to do something similar to that. So we're going to do another fundraiser, um, and if you guys are, I don't know if if you're familiar or not, but we work a lot with College Park Middle, and College Park Middle is right in in our backyard on College Park Road, and we do some mentoring stuff there or whatever, and one night I was reading online, and I saw that there was a need in public schools for kids to have their lunch, ba- lunch balances paid off, that there's a lot of debt and lunch balances. Like, kids will rack up this, this balance. They're, they qualify for free reduced lunch is what happens. So they're from low-income families or whatever. And what happens is they have to qualify for this free reduced lunch, but it takes like a couple weeks for it to happen. And so in the meantime, they rack up this balance, and they can't pay it. And the problem is, is that the school system doesn't let them know until like the collections guy comes on the door, comes knocking on the door and says, hey, you got to pay this. And worst case scenario is that they go all the way through Stratford High School and they get to their senior year and they find out, oh my gosh, I have $100 to pay and they're not going to let me go to prom and they withhold the diploma if you don't pay it. So we saw this, we kind of got the information from them. I actually talked to the, me, Kevin and I and, and Austin, we, we go there every other Wednesday, every other Thursday, and we have this pretty good relationship with the guidance counselor, and I asked him about this. I said, is this, is this a need at College Park? He said, yeah, absolutely. And uh, these schools that I was reading about, they withhold lunch from the kids. They don't do that at College Park, but they do withhold the diploma, and they uh, don't let them go to prom and stuff like that. So uh, we wanted to raise some money to help pay back some of those lunch balances for these kids. And it's something that we are so passionate about. And so we just wanted to let you guys know that that's what's coming up. That's what's going on. I actually asked him when I said, is this an issue? He said, yeah, it's probably about $750. And I was like, okay. I was like, that's like, that's easy. Like we can definitely raise that like no problem. And he goes, actually, I can go find out exactly what the balance is. 
And I was like, okay, cool. So I walk with him to the cafeteria, and he goes and talks to the lady there. He comes back out. He goes, yeah, it was actually 10 times more than I thought it was. So it's actually close to about $8,000. And so we're going to try our best to put a dent in that. Amen? So we're challenging you guys. I wanted to let you know a little, a couple weeks beforehand before this starts, um, I personally, Emily and I personally, will make sacrifices to give to this, and we encourage you guys to do the same. Genesis is going to do the same thing as well. So uh, that's what's coming up. I hope you guys are excited about it. We are. It's going to be incredible. So you don't want to miss out on that. So with that said, this is week three of Psalm 139, and we are moving step by step through this section of Scripture. In week one, we, we read these verses right here. This is Psalm 139, 1 through 6, and this is what it said. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And then last week, we talked about how God is with us, and we moved into the next few verses that say this. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And then tonight, we're moving into the next four verses, which say this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. So the first week we said God knows me. Last week we talked about how God is with me. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how God made me. God made you. And like I said last week, Psalms is an incredible book of songs and poems and stuff that is very uplifting, very encouraging. So if you are wanting a book of the Bible to read, I would encourage you to read Psalms. It's very uplifting, very encouraging, like I said. It kind of just reminds you of how great God is and a lot about yourself as well in light of God's greatness. And so Psalms is incredible, and this, this section of Psalms is amazing. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about a truth that is said often, but still so powerful, and it's this, God made me. Before we dive in tonight, we do live in the year 2017, right? So we are, we are in the 21st century, and so we find ourselves on the other side of some incredible inventions, right? So we have the automobile, we have the internet, we have, what else? The car, the internet, we have the smartphone. So we're on the other side of all of these incredible inventions. But what I find is interesting is that, and you can Google this later, but we use inventions every single day that we have no clue who made them, which I think is kind of funny, right? So we, every day we use things that were made by people that we have no idea who they are. They're just relatively unknown, right? Because we know like Bill Gates had his hand in the internet and Steve Jobs kind of revolutionized the smartphone and, you know, uh, Henry Ford 
invented the automobile and things like that. So we know these people, but then there's some things where we're like, where did this thing even come from? Like, how did, who invented this? We have no idea. So just because I want to have some fun, I have a few here of some relatively unknown inventors, okay? So has anyone ever heard of William Addis? I'm waiting for somebody to know this one. Cody, what did he invent? Or have you just heard of him? Okay. All right. So William Addis invented the toothbrush. So he invented the toothbrush. So hopefully you use his invention at least twice a day. Um, Okay. So you might be able to guess this one. How about Willis Carrier? Okay. So if you're sitting in here tonight and you're not too hot, not too cold, he invented the air conditioner. Nice. Yes. Because he's, he's a brand name, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe someone will be able to know it. Okay, how about this one? Garrett Morgan. Garrett Morgan. All right. So if you came here tonight and you were late because you hit every red light or you got here early because you made every green light, you can thank Garrett Morgan because he invented the traffic light. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. One more. This guy's got, I got a funny name. Here we go. Laszlo Biro. Laszlo Biro. If you're taking notes tonight, what? Yes, he invented the ballpoint pen. All right. So if you're taking notes tonight, you can thank Mr. Biro. He invented the ballpoint pen. Cool. So all of these, all of these inventors, they have something in common, right? So they stepped out of the box and created something that helped form the world we know today. So for a second, I want to talk about the greatest invention by the greatest inventor, which takes place in the first chapter of Genesis. So God, he shows up, he's there, he's eternal, and he decides one day to create light, to create the moon and the stars, to create land, to create the oceans, to create the animals, and we see him create the earth that we know, we know and we live on today. And as I was thinking about all these inventions, there's this quote by Henry Ford that I really like. And what is so special about these in- inventors is they had, they had to have known and had the foresight to know what the consumer wanted before they wanted it. And that's what makes the invention really special. And so this is what Henry Ford said. He said, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. If I would ask the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And we know he went on to create the car, right, and invent the automobile. And so before inventing the air conditioner, Willis Carrier, if he would have asked the people what they wanted, they probably would have said, oh, we just need better ceiling fans. Or if you would have asked Garrett Morgan, or if Garrett Morgan would have asked the people, what do you, what do you want? They would have said, oh, we just need better policemen controlling traffic. And God, instead of creating a greener tree or a bird that could fly higher, He instead took the dust of the earth and made his most prized creation man. He did something that was special. He did something that was unique. He created man, and out of man came woman. And then from then on out, his creation, he created each and every one of us. And so when the truth that God created us, and when it starts to settle into you, your your perspective on your life starts to shift. Because he created you with a plan and with a purpose. So let's read the first two verses again. And tonight we're going to find out what that purpose and what that plan was. So this is Psalm 139, 13 through 14. This is what it says. 
For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So David writes that God formed his innermost self. He formed his DNA. He formed his cells, his major and minor organs. He formed his everything about him. And then he goes on to say, God, you you knit me together inside my mother's womb. God gave him his heartbeat. God gave him his personality and his tendencies. And so the, the, the fact that God was to knit us together in our mother's womb, this is not, you know, like to think about that idea and in light of the complexity of the human body is ridiculous. If you think about the ridiculous sophistication of the human body, the fact that God created this, you can't help but, but think that's special. So really quick, I want to read you some facts about the human body. Okay, you ready for this? There are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in an adult human body. 100,000 miles. And so to put that in perspective, the circumference of the planet is 24,000 miles. So you have enough blood vessels in your body to go around the world close to four times. All right, how about this? Your fingers can feel objects as small as 13 nanometers. To put that in perspective, everyone's like, what's a nanometer? doesn't matter because I'll explain it, <laughs> kind of. So I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. So if, to put it in perspective, if your finger was the size of the earth, it could feel the difference between houses and cars. It's pretty crazy. All right, how about this one? Your stomach has a lining inside of it that keeps it from digesting itself. So is everyone sitting here tonight and you're digesting Zach's piece? Your stomach would actually digest itself if it didn't have a lining inside of it, and it actually recycles itself every three days so that it does not. That's pretty sophisticated, right? Okay, last one. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections. And this is more than the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. We were made and knitted together in our mother's womb by the God of the universe. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's saying, God, your workmanship is amazing. Your workmanship is amazing. I looked up the definition of fearfully, and it says it's full of awe. And I looked up the definition of wonderfully, and it says with excellence. So you were created with awe and with excellence. What does that say about your life? What kind of value does that add to your life? So often we can get caught up in our insecurities and the things we don't like about ourselves, body image. We don't like our personality or our sense of humor. You gotta remember tonight that God has his fingerprints upon you. That he made you with awe and with excellence. He knit you together in your mother's womb. 
And he gave us, because we are God's most precious workmanship, he gave us an incredible piece of identity to rest upon when we start to believe that that's not true about us. That we were created in the image of God and that we do have the fingerprints of God on us. And so I hope that fills you with some confidence in who you are tonight. That you have the fingerprints of God upon you. And you were created with a plan and for a purpose. And we'll start to see that unfold as we keep reading. So this is verse 15. This is what it says. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So David says that he was not hidden from God when he was being made in secret. And right here, he's referring to the darkness of the womb which would refer us back to last week in verse 11 and 12 that says, God can see in the dark. And so he's talking about, even in the darkness of the womb, I can't hide from you. So I can't hide from you. you even in the darkness of the womb, you saw me. So he then, he then goes on to say that we were intricately woven. Intricately woven. And I looked up the definition of, a definition of intricately, and it's just another way of saying we were made with complexity. We are complex. So, now we've had three adverbs. You good with that? Three adverbs. Now all you English majors are like, yes, I know exactly what he's talking about. So tell me if I'm wrong, but an adverb, it adds to the verb, right? So you have your verb, right? Am I right? So adverb, right? So you have fearfully and wonderfully made. Made is the verb, correct? Intricately Woven. Woven is the verb, right? So we have fearfully, wonderfully, and intricately. So this in beautiful Psalms fashion tells us tonight that we were made with awe, with excellence, and with complexity. That you were made with awe, excellence, and complexity. And if I were you, I'd write that one down. I'd stick it on the bathroom mirror. I'd put it in the dashboard of my car. I'd put it as my Instagram bio. But you are made with awe, with excellence, and with complexity. And that adds incredible value to your life and who you are. David then goes on to say that he was intricately woven, which is another example of needlework, right? So we had knitted or knit in verse 13, and now in verse 15, we've got woven. And I don't know if you've had much experience like sewing or knitting or doing anything like this, but it takes time. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of attention. Emily actually is, uh, she crochets. She taught herself how to crochet off of YouTube. And so she, it's like really relaxing for her. And so she does it a lot. And I remember the first time she had just learned how to crochet. This is a funny story, so prepare yourselves. So she had just learned how to crochet, and she was working on her first blanket. And she had worked weeks on this thing, just, just at night after night after night, crochet, crochet, crochet. And she finally was like, okay, tonight is the night. I'm finally going to be done, and it's going to be awesome. And I was like, great, I'm so proud of you. Well, around the same time, we had just gotten our puppy. Some of you are ahead of me. And he was not yet house-trained. So, the night came, 
She was finishing her blanket, crocheting, after weeks and weeks. And I was in another room for a second. And all of a sudden, I heard, no! Just blood curdling. And I was like, oh, my God, she's been murdered. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what? You know, like scared to ask. And I, she just says, he peed on it. Just started repeating, he peed on it. That's all she could say, he peed on it. He peed on it. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? And so, sure enough, she, the blanket was done. I mean, literally like the last stitch or whatever you call it with crocheting. The dog climbs up, pees, walks away. And, you know, what do you do? Well, we ended up throwing it in the washing machine, and it held together. Thank you, God. And uh, we still have it. So he sleeps on it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, so anyway, so it, weaving and sewing and knitting, it takes time. And it takes a lot of special attention and like undivided attention. And so God took time on you. God took time on you. He took time to intricately weave you and knit you together with awe and with excellence and with complexity. God spent time on you, and he did so for a plan and for a purpose. And as we keep reading, we'll start to see this plan get revealed. So this is verse 16. This is what it says. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When is yet? There were none of them. So David, he goes on to say that, God, my life was planned by you before I ever lived a day of it. How amazing is that? And so if that's true, then every joy, every celebration, every victory, every ounce of pain, every desperate moment, every tragedy, every mistake, God knew that it was going to happen, and it was within the plan that he had for you. And the thing about that is, is that if he, if he knows that, if he knows that all of that is, is going to happen, and he, he made this plan for you, then he knows everything also in the future that you're going to either enjoy or endure later on. He knows everything. He knows everything about the life that he's given you. And so with that said, let's look at the whole picture we've been given so far in this chapter. Okay, so week one, God, your knowledge surpasses understanding. Okay, week two, God, you are always going to be with me. There's nowhere I can go that escapes your presence. And now we're in week three. God, you've knit me together in my mother's womb, and you formed my entire life for me before I ever lived a day of it. God is more connected to your life than you could ever imagine. God is more connected to your life than you could ever imagine. And I love the way David words this verse. He says, the days that were formed for me. The days that were formed for me. If the life that we've been given, if the days that we live were formed for us and established for us and then handed to us by God to live, wouldn't we not turn around and then live them for the glory of the giver? 
If the days that he gave us were formed and established for us, and he handed them to us to live, wouldn't we live them for his glory? And so we start to see here the plan for our life get revealed. It says in Ephesians 1 that God loved us before we were ever created. So he loved you individually before you're created, but he also loved mankind before he created us. So he loved mankind before he created us with, and then he created man with the intention of man living for his glory, but then also for us to be able to experience the love that God has for us, which already existed before he ever created us. That's a hard truth to think about, right? How can, how can somebody love something that doesn't even exist? Don't think about it too much, okay? God loved us before he ever created us, and he created us for us to give him glory, and so that he could show his love to us. And he did so through the work of the cross. He showed that love for us through the cross. Because the thing is, is that redemption was planned before the fall of man ever happened. God created man. God created creation. And it was the plan all along. Before Eve ever reached out and took a bite of the fruit and then handed it to Adam and let him take a bite, before the fall of man ever happened, redemption was the plan. Even as early as Genesis 3, a chapter after we see Eve take a bite of the fruit, we see the first prophecy of Jesus take place. That he'll step on the head of Satan and Satan will bruise his heel. Happens in Genesis 3. I mean, that's pretty close to the beginning, right? It was the plan all along. It was the plan all along because here's the thing. What better way for God to show his love for his people than to die for them? And that's exactly what he planned to do. He knew we were going to sin. And so then came the day where Jesus Christ, his son, he came to earth and he lived his perfect life. And then he died a sinner's death. And then three days later, he emerged victorious through the resurrection so that we can be reconciled and redeemed in the eyes of our creator. And so let me tell you this tonight. God can take the dust of the earth and create his most prized possession. God can take what seems like nothing and create it into something beautiful. And now because of the resurrection, God can take the mess that is your life and create it into a beautiful story of redemption. God can take the mess that is your life, the dust that is your life, and because of the resurrection, he can make it into a beautiful story. It says in 2 Corinthians that after you put your work, put your faith in the work of Jesus, and you believe in what he did, and grace is offered to you, and sins are forgiven, what does it say? It says you have become a new creation. You have become a new creation creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You have become a new creation. That every event, past, present, and future is within the boundaries of God's plan for you. The plan that was formed formed for you before you ever took a breath. So every joy, every celebration, every victory, he knew about it. 
every mistake, every ounce of pain, every tragedy, every moment of desperation, he knew about it. And it says in Romans 8.28, it says this, God works all things for the good of those who love him. And a lot of us like to stop there. Yeah, God works everything for the good of those who love him. But then it continues to say this. It says to conform us to the image of his son. To conform us to the image of Christ. And so yes, God, he knit us together in our mother's womb. And he intricately wove us together. But when you start to walk with Jesus, when you start to spend time with him, when you put your faith in him, he then continues to intricately weave you into the image of his son. He doesn't stop creating. He continues creating in you. He starts to intricately weave you into the image of his son. And then all of a sudden, Every little thing, every positive or negative thing that you either enjoy or endure, you start to view it through the lens of God's plan. And things start to change a little bit for you. Everything that happens, God, you're using it to intricately weave me into the image of Jesus. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. Live for his glory. And he put us on earth so that he could show us how much he loved us. And here's the thing. One day, when we get to eternity, we can step back and see that finished product. And we can see why this happened, why that happened. And we'll step back and see this beautiful tapestry that is being woven and knit together our entire life. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And that perspective should change how you see every single event of your life. That he's using it to conform you to the image of his son. And one day, you're going to understand why these things happen. You're going to understand why this happened, why that tragedy happened, why that failure happened, why that victory happened, why that celebration happened. It all comes together to conform us to the image of his son. I want to ask the band to come back up. You were created for two reasons. To be loved by God, to bring God glory. To be loved by God and to bring God glory. And that was his design for us from the beginning. That he created us with awe, with excellence, and with complexity. And he continues to do so when we put our faith in him. That he continues to intricately weave us with awe, with excellence, and with complexity into the image of his son. He took time on us. He made us with care and undivided attention. And then he gave us life as a gift. And he wants us to turn around and live that gift for his glory. But then not only that, he came down and gave his life so that we could live our life for him. God, you gave me your life. Now I'll give my life for you. This is the gospel. God gave his life for me, so I'll give mine for him. And we are so cherished by the creator of the universe, and I hope you feel that way tonight.
I hope you feel that way tonight. Your identity rests in the fact that you are a child of God, created in his image. You are dust made beautiful. You are dust made beautiful. And so let him continue to intricately weave you into the image of his son. His knowledge of you surpasses understanding. There's nowhere you can go that escapes him. And he's invested deeply in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that before we ever took a breath, you spent time on us. Before we ever lived a day, God, you knew the plans that we had. You knew the life we'd live. We knew the things that we'd face, the things that we would enjoy, the things that we would endure. You love us still the same. You died for us still the same. And God, you intricately wove us fearfully, wonderfully, and intricately in our mother's womb. When we start walking with you, when we become a new creation, you continue weaving us into the image of your son. And we may not always understand why things happen, but God, one day we will. God, we can't wait for the day that we see the tapestry that you've been weaving. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross, that through the resurrection, you can take the mess and the dust that is our life and turn it into a beautiful story of redemption. God, we thank you that our identity rests in nothing but the fact that we are dust made beautiful. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.